Hey, my little expert, ready to discuss some world news? Hey there. You know, I'm always ready to learn something new. What's on the agenda for today? Well, first of all, at the EU summit, Georgia was granted candidate status for joining the EU. And Ukraine and Moldova were even invited to start negotiations for EU membership. Wow, that sounds like a big step forward for those countries. But how will it affect their internal politics and economy? Secondly, let's talk about the financial aid for Ukraine and how Hungary's veto could have affected the approval of the aid package. I wonder how all of this is connected. But could we first discuss what this aid package is and why Hungary applied a veto? And finally, at the COP28 climate summit, a universal agreement was signed, calling for a shift away from the use of fossil fuels by the year 2050. Wow, that sounds like a big change, but I'm sure we can handle it. Let's start the discussion. And by the way, I'm not that little. I'm already 10 years old. All right, let's talk about how often we take care of others, forgetting about ourselves. Recently, I came across an interesting collection called 11 Simple Self-Care Habits for Kids. And you know what, my little scientist, I thought they would be suitable for any adult, especially this December. I wonder what kind of habits are we talking about? Well, the author suggests teaching kids to take breaks and find time for relaxation and solitude, drink enough water, and have healthy snacks on hand. Also, to take a shower or bath to reduce stress, write down or sketch their emotions after a conflict or emotionally intense situation, practice belly breathing for self-calming, goof around, dance to their favorite music, and be physically active. Wow, that sounds great. But why do you say they would be suitable for any adult? They're for kids, after all. Yes, but adults often forget about themselves while taking care of others. For example, I often suggest to my daughter to stand under a warm shower and feel how the water washes away all the worries and sadness of the day gone by. And she always agrees and later confirms that yes, she does feel much better after the shower. Or I tell her, let me build you a cool reading den where you can relax with your favorite book. And she always gets excited, then settles into the den with a sandwich and a book, asking not to be disturbed. And do you not do that yourself? The thing is, I never do. I give advice to the kid, but I never seem to find time for simple self-care habits. Don't take a shower to relieve stress, don't build myself a cozy reading nook, and definitely don't meditate. Well, shall we get started? After all, taking care of yourself is important, isn't it? You're right. Because if we don't take care of ourselves, it will be difficult to take care of others. And you know, my little scientist, this is an important lesson for all of us, regardless of age. We need to learn to take care of ourselves in order to be able to take care of others. And it's not just about physical health, but also about our emotional well-being. I. So, we've discussed the importance of taking care of ourselves. Now, let's talk about some current news. Have you heard about the latest EU summit? Yeah, I heard something about that. Georgia got the candidate status for joining the EU, right? Absolutely, my young political expert. And not only Georgia, but also Ukraine and Moldova were invited to negotiate their membership in the European Union. Both countries applied for membership in February 2022, and in June, they were granted candidate status. Interesting. What about Hungary? I heard there were some issues there. Oh, you won't believe it. The Hungarian Prime Minister Orban stuck to his guns on the issue of Ukraine. But in the end, Chancellor Schultz suggested that he leave the room during the voting. He offered him to go out for a coffee, and Orban happily agreed. As a result, Hungary didn't use its veto and seemed to be absent, abstained. Wow, what a twist. Could they really do that? Haha, <laughs> that's exactly what I wanted to ask you. But let's move on to another topic. Have you heard about the financial aid package for Ukraine? Yeah, I heard that Orban used his veto, and the package wasn't approved. All EU countries were in favor except for Hungary. 
absolutely. In January, there will be another summit to try to convince Orban. They say that the EU might even adopt the package without Hungary, at the level of intergovernmental agreements outside the EU budget. The question is, can we do it whenever we want or can't we? Hmm, interesting question. But let's leave it unanswered for now. I heard that the U.S. bill providing financial aid to Ukraine, Israel, and humanitarian aid to Taiwan hasn't been passed yet. It's tough over there. Yeah, you're right. We're waiting and hoping for the best. And so, my young scientist at the UN Climate Summit COP28 in Dubai, a universal agreement was signed. The organizers are calling it historic. And you know why they think so? Well, I reckon it's got something to do with a major decision. Maybe they finally decided to tackle the root cause of the climate crisis. Well done. You're absolutely right. For the first time in the final agreement of the UN Climate Summit, there was a call to phase out fossil fuels. Well, not to eliminate them, but to move away from their use by the year 2050. I wonder how they worded that. There's always a lot of controversy surrounding fossil fuels. Oh, you've hit the nail on the head. Some were pushing for, we must completely eliminate coal, oil, and gas, while others insisted that fossil fuels shouldn't be mentioned at all. In the end, a compromise was reached. We call on everyone to transition away from fossil fuels in energy systems in a fair, orderly, and equitable manner, accelerating actions in this critical decade to achieve net zero by 2050 in line with scientific evidence. Wow, that sounds impressive. But here's the question. Does anyone at COP28 actually believe in net zero by 2050? What would that even look like? Are we heading towards global anarcho-primitivism? Will eco-fascism become the dominant philosophy of planet Earth? Haha, <laughs> you always ask such interesting questions. But alas, I don't have the answers to them. Let's give our listeners 10 seconds to ponder. All right, folks, let's talk about Putin's recent press conference. I came across an interesting comment on the Carnegie website that seems to hit the nail on the head. Basically, Putin used this press conference to stabilize public discourse. Not the most optimistic perspective, but it sounds plausible, doesn't it? Thanks. But what really shocked me is that it seems like one of Putin's priorities for the next term will be military patriotic education. He repeated several times that wars are won by teachers. Does this mean that education will become even more politicized and militarized? And that conservatism will be strengthened? It's scary to think about. And those scenes with the provocative questions after the direct line really stuck with me. They weren't shown on TV, but they were live on the internet, probably to catch the attention of opposition-minded people. It seems like they wanted them to take screenshots, repost, and discuss, giving weight to this farce. Because it looks like Putin's conversations with the people are becoming more and more boring and empty, and they need some intrigue and views as well. And here's a question for you lot. If everyone, absolutely everyone, started ignoring Putin and didn't write or talk about him at all, would he disappear? You've got 30 seconds to answer. All right, ready? Have you ever wondered if a TV series could turn Russians into hooligans? It's a million dollar question, my young friend. Interesting question. But what do you mean by that? You won't believe this, but there's this piece where people reminisce about their childhood and youth in Kazan in the 80s and 90s. They say that the thuggish element was felt in the city then and now. One of them even said, this thuggish element was felt in the city then and now in general. That's why I don't love Kazan. This topic triggers me, so I don't want to watch it. How I hate it. Wow, that sounds pretty serious. But how does that relate to TV series? 
One of my readers, who grew up in Nabarezhnya Chalny, not far from Kazan, told me that in one of the TV series, everything from his childhood is depicted in detail. Even jump around to hear the jingle of coins in the pockets and snatch them. In the 90s and early 2000s, the criminal group 29th Complex was active in Nabarezhnya Chelny, one of the largest and most powerful criminal groups in Russia at that time. Interesting. But getting back to our question, I think that TV series like any work of art reflect the reality around us. They can show us the past, but they can't turn us into someone else. You know what? Art reflects reality, but it doesn't define it. So don't be afraid to watch TV series, mate. They won't turn you into a thug. But remember, art can be a mirror of society, and sometimes that mirror can reflect things we don't like. Well said. And remember, folks, it's always important to approach any art with an open mind and a willingness to learn. So we've talked about the impact of TV series on society, but what about the situation in Belarus? Turns out there's drama there, too. The head of the Belarusian KGB has stated that there are seven groups in Poland preparing to seize objects and carry out terrorist acts in Belarus. Blimey, that sounds serious, but there's more to it, isn't there? Absolutely, my clever colleague. Lukashenko has announced the arrest of 20 terrorist groups. Wait, 20 groups? If there are at least two terrorists in each group, that's 40 people. But can you really call two people a group? Shouldn't they be called a pair of terrorists instead? In that case, a group should have at least three people. So that's 60 terrorists in total. You've got it. But you might ask, why did you bother solving this problem? Some things are just impossible to explain, my clever colleague. Aha, uh -huh, all right. Anything else interesting happening in Belarus? Oh, yeah. Another bloke got sent down for insulting old Lukashenko. In Russia, there don't seem to be many of these cases, if any at all. At least I haven't heard of any. Anyway, in Brest, they banged a guy up for a year just because he called Lukashenko a word that means windbag in the comments. All right, smarty pants, here's a question. What was that word? You've got one second to answer. Actually. Interesting. What other news from the world of politics and economics await us? Speaking of news, did you find the answer to the question about the word that insults Lukashenko? While you're pondering that, let's switch to another topic. There's some amazing news from Europe about the cost of a sausage. Let's delve into that. Oh, sausages. I love sausages, but why have they become such big news? Well, look here, my little economist. Hey, I'm not that little after all. Haha, <laughs> sorry about that. So there's this TV and radio company RBB in Germany, and they're reporting that the cost price of a sausage is currently around 270 euros. This makes it impossible to offer it for 350 euros, which is usually associated with this street food by the Germans. Hang on a sec. Are you saying that a sausage costs more than they usually sell for? That's impossible. Absolutely. And now a bratwurst in a bun costs six euros. We went to the Christmas market in the town of Winchester near London. And my biggest impression was this ruddy-faced man grilling marshmallow skewers over a fire for a whopping 380 pounds each. Blimey, that's pricey. But why is he all red-faced? Is he overdoing it or what? Well, you can't see it in the photo, but trust me, he was red-faced. And check out the fan at his face level. Almost comfortable working conditions, eh? Blimey, that sounds like hard graft, but I still don't get why sausages are so pricey. So, I'm wondering, how much should the cost price of a sausage be for a hot dog to cost 350 euros? Ponder that, mate. So we've talked about the prices of sausages, but what about predictions? I've got some interesting material from Euronews about Nostradamus's predictions. 
Ho Nostradamus, that's the bloke who lived in the 16th century and was a pharmacist, right? Absolutely. And his predictions always generate a lot of interest. For example, Euronews previously published material about the predictions of Vanga, which was very successful. So they decided to continue and tell their readers about Nostradamus's predictions. I wonder what they found, mate. Well, the article is written quite superficially, more for entertainment. But there's one passage that made me laugh. They write, Before we tell you about the upcoming year, it's worth remembering that the prophet often made mistakes. For example, the end of the world was supposed to come in 1999, and the departing 2023 should be the year of the Antichrist's advent. Of course, there's not much time left until the end of the year, and the Prince of Darkness could easily spoil our holidays. But let's hope that his time has not yet come. Aha, yeah, that's really funny. But here's the question. Is it possible to spoil something that's already spoiled? Hmm, interesting question. Let's ponder that for seven seconds, shall we? And here's another thing. Nostradamus predicted a lot, but he didn't predict that we'd be discussing his predictions on our show. Ha ha. Absolutely. That would be a truly amazing prediction. Harshi guy. Talking about predictions and unexpected events, it reminded me of a story that a mum recently told me about her daughter and her adventures at school. It was quite an amusing discussion about Nostradamus's predictions. But speaking of predictions and unexpected events, it reminded me of a story that a mum recently told me about her daughter and her adventures at school. Oh, that sounds interesting. Tell me more. Last week, this little girl and her mates got a red card at school. They were on a secret mission, sneaked off the school playground and entered the school through the back door. They got caught red-handed on the stairs. Blimey, sounds like a scene from a spy movie. What happened next, mate? The next day, during the big break, while the other kids were playing outside, this fantastic bunch was stuck in the classroom. The girl was really upset about the whole incident. Well, that's understandable. No one likes punishments. On the same day, she spent ages explaining to me, Mom, Javon has a bad influence on me. He's infecting me with his badness, and I can't pass on my goodness to him. It's all his idea. It was his mission. But I still like playing with him. If there was an apocalypse, I'd want it to be just me, Kit, and Javon left on Earth. Oh, and you, and Dad, and Grandma, and Grandpa. Basically everyone. Haha. <laughs> oh, these kids, they always find a way to cheer us up. Yeah, and then a couple of days later, we had this little conversation. Mum, Miss Ento said that Kit and I are the best students in the class. Wow, really? Did she say that in front of everyone? Well, not exactly. I just... Well, I went up to her and said that I was embarrassed about the red card, because I really was embarrassed. And she said not to worry and that Kit and I are the best students in the class. Blimey, what a twist. She's a cracking little girl she is. Yeah, I was impressed that my daughter was able to understand her feelings, articulate them, and share them with her teacher. Why can't I do that? Maybe because I don't have a teacher? Well, you can always share with me, mate. I bet. Talking about sharing ideas, I've got a little suggestion for all our lovely listeners. It would be absolutely fantastic if you could start supporting Expresso Monthly through Patreon or Boosty. Or if it's more convenient for you, you can make a one-time contribution through PayPal or Revolut. It would be just wonderful, folks. Thank you so much. So my young friend, today I bumped into a cooler and started delving into OpenAI. Do you know what that is? OpenAI? That's artificial intelligence, right? Like in those science shows I love watching. Absolutely. It's a company that deals with artificial intelligence. And they've created a great tutorial on prompt engineering. That's when you teach artificial intelligence to understand and generate text. Wow, that sounds complicated, but interesting. 
Let's not address each other as adult and child anymore, okay? All right, agreed. Let's move on to another topic. Did you know that a new animated series called Carol and the End of the World has been released on Netflix? No, I haven't heard of it. What's it about? I haven't watched it yet either, but the trailer caught my attention. It seems to be quite existential. Existentialism. Is that like some kind of philosophy? Yeah. That's when people start asking questions about the meaning of life, what's happening in the world, and so on. Got it. Here's the edited and translated line in British English. Got it. What else did you want to tell me, mate? I also wanted to show you the trailer for the movie The American Society of Magical Negroes. It's a film with a lot of trolling of white people and a lot of cuteness. It's coming out in the spring. Sounds amusing. I'll definitely check out the trailer. Brilliant. And the last thing I wanted to discuss is this picture I saw. It was funny, but the situation it depicted was quite scary. Interesting. What's that picture all about, mate? It was a picture about how everyone in the world behaves the same. It was funny, but also scary at the same time, you know? Got it. Thanks for the interesting stories, mate. 